0: You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network.
1: This is Pharmacy Crossroads with your host, community pharmacy business veteran, the road trip goth, Bruce Neeland. Community pharmacy is at a crossroads. Pharmacy owners across the country are evolving their pharmacy businesses and making a bigger impact on their communities. Bruce talks with the most innovative community pharmacy owners, pharmacy industry experts, and people who are passionate about the business of pharmacy and its impact on community healthcare. Pharmacy Crossroads is a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. And now here's our host, Bruce Neeland.
0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Pharmacy Crossroads. I'm your host, Bruce Neeland, and it's my pleasure to introduce to you one of the most remarkable pharmacy owners I've met uh, in the last few years. Um, Jason Dykstra owns a pharmacy in Chino Valley, Arizona. Uh, Chino Valley happens to be about 15 miles north of where I live in Prescott and um he opened a store in 2016. uh we probably got acquainted about a year afterwards and um he's an impressive guy and so uh jason say hello to our listeners and uh take just a minute and tell me about your pharmacy and i'd love to know how you got to prescott or to chino valley Uh, you didn't grow up in arizona as i recall so take over
1: Yes, sir. Good morning, good morning, listeners. Good morning, Podcast Network. Um, my name is Jason Dykstra. As Bruce said, uh, I own and operate uh, Chino Valley Pharmacy, uh, expanding to a few more pharmacies. But we'll get into that later. Uh, I did grow up uh, in Michigan. I'm a Michigan native. Go Lions! Oh, silence. Kind of sounds like the stadium right now. <laughs> I went to I went to pharmacy school at uh, Midwestern University out in Glendale, Arizona. Um and uh that uh is kind of the basics of me as far as the pharmacy world goes so i'm married have uh, three children have a wonderful wife who plays an integral part in the pharmacy and uh, i love the prescott area i live in prescott and i do work in chino uh, beautiful beautiful country very very similar to a climate of where i grew up
0: um yeah that reminds you a lot of michigan right so but back backtrack a little bit you say midwestern university in Glendale, Arizona. Um, Midwestern is not a word I would use to describe Arizona. How did that happen?
1: So Midwestern University is based out of Chicago. That's their mother campus. They did open a so-called satellite campus in Glendale, and it's grown. They have probably now at least 10 to 15 degree programs, and uh, their Glendale campus has done quite well.
0: Yeah, and I've, I've come across them working on some CPESN uh, issues in the state, and they're quite supportive of that. So you got your pharmacy degree in Glendale, and for people to know, Glendale is Phoenix. Uh, it's a suburb of Phoenix. Um, where was your first pharmacy job, and, and uh, what have you done up until 2016 when you opened your first pharmacy?
1: absolutely so i had been a walgreens kid since uh, the age of 16 actually put in about 17 or 18 years of walgreens worked my way through the ranks of starting in the front end into the pharmacy into a pharmacy manager um, i left walgreens and went to safeway and managed a safeway pharmacy for about five years and that's kind of what started the tipping point right there of just seeing the trends of seeing the trends of chains and also seeing the changes in pharmacy and what's coming down the pipeline and basically seeing that we're there there's a big issue coming up and lots and lots of changes and then um, things that I feel that we could react to and kind of capture some niche markets in the pharmacy area.
0: Well, and, and I think you've uh, proven that that can be the case. So uh, a chain guy with Walgreens and Safeway, pretty good way to get an understanding of uh, the basics of inventory control and customer uh, service and, and that type of thing. Uh, but it's still a big leap to, to jump from the mothership, the chain support structure and open a pharmacy of your own. Tell me a little bit about how that idea percolated in your mind. And was there some specific issue that said, hey, I got to do this?
1: So I, I had been struggling with a bit of identity um, working for the chains. Of, I have grown up with a business mindset, and when you're put into the chains into a management spot, it's not really a fully encompassed management spot. Um, you're you're more or less managing the patients in there and things like that. But I couldn't unlock the business potential. And that's that's kind of what was somewhat of the tipping point and the business opportunity presented itself for independent pharmacy. I'll tell you, like anyone else, I was nervous as I'll get out to make the jump um, a whole lot of prayer, uh, a whole lot of basically just soul searching and basically saying, is this a path that I want to go down. Knowing at the same time that this could be amazing, it could be completely fulfilling, um, it could be that so-called pharmacy dream everyone wants, or it could be a sinking ship, yeah. and and that was kind of um, the, the tipping point. Of I, I said, you know, I know the needs, I know what's out there, I know how to do pharmacy well, I have a great following of patients. Um, that no matter where I go, I always have that that relationship with patients, and and I felt that uh, that if I made this jump, that I could be successful and do it.
0: And so, uh, just uh, uh, for our listeners, just a little bit: Prescott in the Prescott area. It's about a hundred miles north of Phoenix, and um, we're actually up in the mountains, about five thousand feet in, uh, up in the mountains. So it's a it's an isolated area from. There's three basic communities, Prescott, Prescott Valley, and Chino Valley. Between the three communities and the very rural areas surrounding it, there's probably a couple hundred thousand people. I I moved here in 2016, and at that time, there was no independent pharmacy here. Um, Walmart, Walgreens, CVS, Kind of dominate the area, Safeway and uh, a Kroger branch uh, called Fry's uh, grocery operations. We're all pretty busy, and uh, you're working at a Safeway store. And I guess you see you're filling a whole lot of prescriptions, and there's an opportunity for you. Is that part of it?
1: Yeah, that was part of it. Um, a lot of you know a lot of what really got me interested is. Um, Basically having reliability, being in the driver's seat to where if there's something that needs to be fixed, there's not 20 different avenues to get it fixed, you fix it yourself. And um, that's really kind of what got me. And also knowing that I have some business background and um, that, that I could put that to work and put that to use. And I know that there's many, many successful independent pharmacy owners. Um, also, the other kind of big opportunity, and and Bruce, you kind of touched on this, that that we are a smaller community. And I believe independent pharmacy can thrive in a rural community because rural communities still have that hometown feel and that... that yeah. uh, that's really what we capitalized on is being that hometown pharmacy, You know, putting money back into the community, being locally owned. There's a big, big push, especially with all this COVID stuff going on to support local business because they realize the importance of that. And in general, in pharmacy, the local business is fading. Um, the chains are taking over. And it's much much tougher, I think, to do this in a in a, in a um, an urban city versus more of a suburban or or rural setting. Um, but the opportunity was ripe,
0: and 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 you jumped on it. Like you say, you did so with some fear and trepidation, and and uh, and prayer. And uh, as a God fearing man, I I appreciate the role of uh, of prayer in in helping to make decisions. So. Um, ready to you decided to go mentally what did you start doing homework wise in order to get to get ready i mean you got to find a place you got to get some financing you got to think about where you're going to get your staff um did you turn to anybody for help Uh, where did you go to figure out how to pick a wholesaler and a pharmacy computer system all that kind of stuff
1: so absolutely you know number one um being uh, a god-fearing man as well and you know, covering it in prayer and really just doing some searching to say, am I ready for this? Um, I had to get uh, uh, my very much better half involved as well and basically get her blessing as well and say, you know, we're doing this together. So um, after, you know, after that hard process of saying, can we do this? countless hours on the internet and countless hours of research and i really had to find some shoulders to lean on Um, a mentor is very 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 important to grab you by the hand and walk you through some of this Um, there are some very challenging decisions uh, that were made number one my wife spent countless hours on design of making something that you go into some pharmacies and you look at it and you're kind of like, meh, looks okay. And then you go into some and you're like, wow, this looks amazing. And we chose to take the, I guess you could say the home style or homely looking is a very poor choice of words, but more of a pharmacy that looks like a very warm and inviting house, as well as somewhere that looks very business Savvy and 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 carries the look of a pharmacy. Um, we kind of blended those two things together. Um, I had a location picked out, um, and location is key. And you'll hear that from many 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 independent pharmacy owners. Um, I had a location that had a highway front that was kind of in a good area of the town that had a lot of traffic. Because otherwise, if they don't know you're there, you're dumping tons of money into advertising. Um, So we had a great location. Um, Picking a wholesaler is, uh, when you say picking a wholesaler, that's a very, very loaded term right there. There are very, very fine details of, of contracts and everything that they present to you. And you have to do your homework on that. It's very, very important to know how to look through a wholesale contract and pick and choose where you think your volume would be and which wholesaler is best for you um, because it all impacts your bottom line with your cost of goods. Um, I had a, uh, a, a dear friend of mine who kind of did help me get through this. And um, I I struggled on picking a software system um, which is the engine for your car. So yeah. uh, uh, I picked Pioneer X, which is an amazing software. Um, Chose them. Um, I had heard very, very good things. Heard that they were on the cutting edge, and they do an excellent job. Um, it's a very, very user-friendly software, and it's also a very robust software. You can almost get lost like a maze in that software if you dive into what it can really do. Um, really had to, you know, get going with looking at cost. I mean, you have a bucket of money, and that bucket dries up pretty quickly. So yeah. you have to be very strategic with. Where you put your dollars in the beginning. You know, I could make an outstanding, beautiful pharmacy and dump in 300, 400,000. And that leaves me with a little bit of money left for inventory and staffing and all of that. And quickly realize that inventory is very, very expensive to get going. So you have to be very strategic with where you put the money that you have for the loan or the partners or financing or the money coming out of your own pocket. Um, Very strategic with that as well. And it is key to pick up appropriate staff that share your vision and share your heart because. Well,
0: and, and, and I, you know, again, you've, you've got your wife who's working there and, and she's an eminently personable uh, person, a big smile and a gregarious attitude. And, you know, a, you know, that, that, choice was made years and years ago but clearly the remaining part of your staff was there a key uh, element of how you recruited people to come to work for
1: you so i started off with just a few Um, i started off with uh, basically a a network of a couple of technicians i had had over the years and the one thing that we all shared is we want the same thing Um, we wanted to better customer service we saw that there were just challenges in the pharmacy market, and I felt that they could, kind of, I guess, lift up my arms and help me move along, um, in sharing the same vision and same heart. And you know, you can get a technician that can stand there, who and that can type, and that can fill, and that can check people out, but if they don't bring that warmth and that sincerity and that relational type um, personality, you just have another warm body. And, yeah. And I really felt that that was key. They had to share the vision and they had to be of like mind of we can change the so-called atmosphere in this area and change the way pharmacy is done in this area and not just be someone just to kind of hang around in the, the back seat of the car, but to be up in the driver's seat with me.
0: Hey, Pharmacy Crossroad listeners, this is Bruce Neeland, breaking in with a quick shout out to our major sponsor, the Compliant Pharmacy Alliance, or better known as CPA. The people, programs, and services at CPA are dedicated to the success of independent community pharmacy. And their sponsorship of this program is one way they demonstrate that commitment. And I'm proud to share with you one more way they do that. Recently, I was delighted to read a press release from the Community Pharmacy Enhanced Services Network, or CPESN, letting the industry know that CPA had just become the first national sponsor of the Flip the Pharmacy initiative. Wow, Pharmacy Crossroads is happy to share this news with you. You can learn more about the Compliant Pharmacy Alliance, or CPA, at CompliantRx.com. once again that's CompliantRx.com. now back to our program well and and uh, you know i something i learned a, a long time ago that i guess is a critical decision that a pharmacist would would need to do a self-assessment on if he's working for a chain and and is kind of frustrated as to whether or not he wants to open a store and um that's that's the notion that uh, a lot of t- clinical skills are important, but the critical skill is: do you have the the people skills, the empathy for people, the the bedside manner, for lack of a better word? And um, you know that I, I don't know how a person assesses whether he has that or not, but I I'd say that that's got to be the most important self evaluation because you're not going to succeed in independent pharmacy by being uh, really, really technical, really, really clinical, really, really detail-oriented, have to have all that, but you've also gotta be able to have a feel for people. And, you know, when I walk into your pharmacy, uh, I certainly feel that ambiance that comes through. So, um, so I, I, I mean, a, let's think for a minute that you're talking to a guy or a gal who's working for a chain and wondering whether or not they can do this, besides the personality thing I just talked about, what what two or three tips would you give them um, to try to figure out whether they think it's a good idea?
1: Sure, so number one, you have to be a risk taker because opening any pharmacy is a risk. Um, One thing that really stuck out on me, I, I heard this at a conference one time and they were talking about the mindset of an independent pharmacy owner. And with a chain, and I can attest to this, you're, you're 75, maybe even 90% pharmacist, and you're about 10% businessman, um, maybe a little more or less depending on what they give you. And that completely transitions with an independent pharmacy. You have to still bring all of those key elements of a pharmacist to the table, but you almost reverse the roles as you're about 75% businessman and about 25% pharmacist. Um, the business end is key. And I think this is where I've I've heard many, many pharmacies struggle is because they walk in knowing how to be an excellent, a great pharmacist to take care of patients and all that. And some of them take the business end of it and they sweep it under the rug. And it is vital to be able to interpret your business numbers, look at your purchasing, um, look at how you're trending, look at your cash flow, so many different things in the business world are vital because if you can't pay your bills, the doors are going to close up. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the biggest piece uh, that I would give or the biggest uh, advice I would give to a pharmacist in a chain thinking about going to your independent is you, you need to be well-versed in managing and in the business realm.
0: Well, d- dig deeper on that. Cause I, I know when I visited you for my road trip, um, a couple, a couple of years ago now. Gads, it's amazing how time flies. Uh, you spent a lot of time behind the counter showing me a little bit about how you look at a, a prescribed medication, and um, and the steps you take to try to figure out if there's a way you can buy better or if you can work with a physician to get a better a better drug uh, and that kind of stuff. Tell me, tell me that process that you go through on every script where you're not making a decent
1: margin. Sure, so we get into a lot of cost of goods sold. So if you have a good buying group, good wholesaler, um, you can get better cost of goods. Um, That's something that you have to pay very close attention to is what you're paying versus what you're getting reimbursed. And sometimes there's very, very slim margins, even down to the pennies, not even including your labor. And there's some that you do pretty well on. So some of the things that kind of stick out in my mind is finding high profit items. And there are some some things out there, or some medications that we dispense um, that you make a better margin on, and sometimes it, uh, it that can help you with make sure make sure that you maintain those patients. Um, I, I have the term of VIPs that we call them the patients that they 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 help you pay your bills quite well, and they are protected. Um, we will go above and beyond as we really would for anyone but we would add just the extra ante for, for one of our VIP patients to really go out of our way um, to make sure we take care of them. Um, having an army of wholesalers is also very good. A uh, company like Trixade, uh, they're, quite, they're quite helpful if you take, let's just say a generic med that you're getting, uh, that you're underwater and not getting paid near what the, uh, the insurance company is paying you, you can go to Trixade and say, am I buying it at a fair price? They have 20 or 30 different wholesalers that you can get in a snapshot time of what the going market rate is for that particular item. And that can really help you um, uh, alleviate some of the losses. Um, you have to have solid cash pricing because we're in a world that oh, is yeah, in pharmacy of having a solid cash price. Um, you know, people, every one of us has seen them bring in a gutter X card or bring in one of the 30 different cards they've gotten in the mail that say, we'll help you save on your meds. And uh, with a chain, you really don't see the impact of those, but they always take a fee. And so if you have a good cash price that you can kind of uh, use as some leverage, um, you can reduce some losses from those. Uh, what, you have what, have,
0: what percentage of your fills are cash? And has that gone up or down with,
1: with <clears throat> COVID and so all ours, that? Ours has gone up. Um, we've trended up ever since the beginning because we set a fair price. Um, That's very, very important. It's just to be fair. And with a cash patient, you're going to still have the ones that shop. They're going to pull up a gutter X. They're going to call 20 different pharmacies, kind of like the olden days before the web started and ask what their price is. But if you gain their loyalty and if you gain their trust, which is where as a pharmacy we can do a lot of them don't do that. They trust you that you're charging a fair price. And they trust that they don't have to go shop it out with a bunch of different places. And uh, so we're trending up for sure. Um, COVID hasn't really impacted the cash pricing much, but we have a loyal following of cash patients.
0: Interesting. Um, So what about working with physicians and selecting alternate medications? Is that uh, a, a practice that you engage in
1: it, it for sure is so um uh, i kind of have this 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 um thought that is crossing the barrier of being a transactional patient and that is getting to know your patients and this ties right into cost-effective substitution so if someone who doesn't know me walks up and says hey i got this med and i say well that's really expensive um let me talk to your doctor about something else probably about 50% of them are going to say, okay, go ahead and do that. But if you have a patient that, again, you've built that trust and that loyalty with and you say, hey, I believe I can really help you out. And this actually happened to me the other day. Um, Someone brought in a prescription for an expensive brand name uh, inhaler. And she was looking at around a $400 copay. And after just spending some time and talking to her, I says, you know, I think we can do a lot better on this. Give me a day or two. Let me work with your doc and see what we can do. And after kind of, Uh, interviewing her of what your needs are for this inhaler. We found an inhaler that off of the insurance, not even using um, that, was about 140 bucks. And it took her cost way down, and that to her was worth it. Uh, Not to mention, we took a brand name where you make just a couple of bucks on a very expensive item and turn it into a pretty decent profit on a lower cost alternative generic.
0: Um that's fascinating and you think that happens once a week twice a month i mean how, how big of how big of a of your practice is that
1: i would say it's pretty decent i would say at least daily we work on something like that um and it in it, it's it's tough in a high volume to pick out patients yeah but when i'm watching the scripts come through and and if we see a high price no matter if it's a brand name, a deductible, um, even a high dollar generic, we stop and take a look at it. And that kind of hits the brakes and say, what can we do and what can we intervene here? And a lot of times it's just calling up the patient. You know, we could take a simple example of, let's say someone's on a super expensive biological injection that might be four or $5,000. And you bill it through and it has a $500 copay. So to me, Man, five thousand dollars and only paying five hundred bucks—that's a steal for them. Well, if you don't call and talk to the patient and you label that thing up, and they say I can't afford that, yeah, and yeah. you've got a label on it, you stick it back in the fridge, and you really hope and pray someone else comes through on that med. Otherwise, you're going to sit on that for a couple of years.
0: Um, and that—I mean—that just comes back to the to the business attitude you have about looking at the details on everything. Um, let's switch gears. Um, So you opened your Chino Valley Pharmacy in 2016 and then uh, roll forward 2020, December. What kind of a deal did you do then and what's on the drawing board? Sure, so
1: we opened Chino um, and that needed time to grow. You have to establish your name, you have to establish everything. I kind of had this dream of when I open it of, man, you know, if I can do this right, I'd love to open a couple of more of these and find some more markets to capture some business and really just to strengthen our name. And it took a while. Uh, it was a very, very uh, rapidly growing pharmacy in Chino. And it took a while to basically level out the financial impact of having a fast growing pharmacy. If you're not prepared, you're going to be in trouble.
0: Because yeah, growing of, fast is yeah. sometimes worse than not growing at all, right?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And we definitely did grow fast. And and be, also being a new business owner with a fast-growing pharmacy was kind of a shell shocker. So I had to often just step back and say, okay, uh, what can I...
0: So the second store is opened and getting started i mean opening in december we're in the middle of uh, january when we're doing this but when i was out there seeing your your new store in dewey uh you whispered in my ear that you have another idea what's that
1: uh huh. I, I know where you're going. Yes, absolutely. So, um, I actually had a great opportunity present itself. So, number one, just a disclaimer, I would not recommend expanding as fast as I've done with a couple of stores, going from one to three in a matter of, oh, opening them probably about six months. Um, but uh, an opportunity presented itself for another pharmacy. And uh, that one is in a very rural setting. Um, so this will be a bit of a learning lesson for me and kind of uh, um, I'll explore the, um, what, what is uh, kind of referred to as the marvelous world of rural rates. Um, yeah. so this pharmacy will be enough of a distant separation from uh, any other pharmacy that we should qualify for the rural rates and I've heard that they're pretty amazing as far as dir fees and the the PBMs I guess award you a little bit for going to serve a very rural population um, we'll see how that pans out because it sounds too good to be true um, <laughs> but this uh, this pharmacy is they closed down a very small independent and it was purchased by a chain. And there was a great opportunity to go back in behind them and serve these patients. Um, Couple of challenges and road bumps, but nothing we couldn't uh, overcome. And so the plan is uh, by the summer of this year is to have a third pharmacy open. Um, It'll be a smaller pharmacy, um, but should do quite well and be able to serve the needs of that community.
0: And And I would add the pharmacy sold to a chain and the nearest chain pharmacy to that location is 20 miles, right? I mean, it's it uh, it was really in the middle of a a nice little hub out uh, uh, east of town here, I, and I, I wish you the best. So, hey, we're gonna run out of time. It's been fun chatting with you. Uh, the parting question is almost always, so what do you have to say to people who are listening that would help them run their pharmacies better? You got any parting shots or uh, management insight that you'd you'd feel to share with your peers?
1: Absolutely. So our roles are changing as pharmacists and our roles are changing as pharmacies as well. Um, We're in challenging times. If you look at anything on PBMs, that is a very hot topic. Um, Just a couple of things that I kind of come to mind is you have to find a source to stay on the cutting edge. That could be this podcast network that could mean a... A consultant Um, that could mean a mentor or a friend, but we have to network together to stay in the cutting edge of where pharmacy is going. We're exploring uncharted territory and a lot of things. There's a lot of things uh, in the future that pharmacies are doing. Look at COVID, how fast that hit us and how a pharmacy can jump in and make a difference. We literally just got in rapid tests that we're going to start doing pretty soon here. Then you have the wave of the vaccinations coming through. so, um, you know, I believe overall independence can do things better. Uh, you have to find your niches. It's super, super important to find your niches and understand the, the business end of it. Um, but I believe we can do things better. I believe that independent pharmacy could make a comeback. And hopefully, we can get the assistance of um, uh, organizations like NCPA and stuff to fight on our behalf to help with some of these reimbursement type issues. And people really do value independent farmers and they value the so-called mom and pop shop and the way things used to be. Sometimes looking back from where we're at as a society today, they weren't so bad back then. And I think you can attest to that, Bruce.
0: Well, and and God bless you. And, and thanks so much for taking time to visit with me and, and share some thoughts with others. I, I am gonna throw in one little thing that that you had done you talk about how you can be a little bit different, a little bit closer to the community. And, and I know with COVID, it's not as big a deal as it was before, but when you designed your pharmacy, you designed that cute little kid's corner and uh, you know, just, just an opportunity for people to bring their kids in and and have them uh distracted and and maybe that'll open back up and and that can be something that that helps in the future but it's just part of the thinking that you did as to what can you do to be a little bit different and 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 frankly a little bit better uh for a patient experience than they were getting in the in the grocery store where you were before so thanks so much uh that does it to today for our pharmacy crossroads podcast podcast. We look forward to uh, chatting with another remarkable pharmacist next month. And uh, this is Bruce Neeland signing out with Pharmacy Crossroads.
1: Thanks for listening to Pharmacy Crossroads. If you're interested in talking with Bruce, please contact the show. Visit PharmacyCrossroads.com. We look forward to hearing from you.